So let me give you life advice. <laughs> Here's what, right. life advice. We're going to go meta with it. Everyone's down in the weeds giving life advice. We're going to give advice about life advice. Yeah. That's what I'm here to do today. to another episode of the do less podcast brendan john and jeff if you guys are watching live on youtube you uh you, and you're very attentive you may have noticed we're in our same outfits from last month's podcast because <laughs> 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 we're in reality we're recording two in one night here so um the flavor of the day today i want to talk a little bit about uh the kind of self-help or self-improvement gurus and genre of kind of books podcasts youtube videos self-help or self-hurt yeah it's kind of uh become a super popularized category i would say uh kind of in the last like five to ten years um now i don't have a whole lot of data for what i'm saying here but it felt like to me growing up in kind of like the 90s early 2000s um the category of quote-unquote self-help was sort of stigmatized for people that have something wrong going with their lives, uh, you know, alcoholics or someone that has some issue that they need fixing. Um, I think that stemmed a lot from the sort of baby boomer generation being a generation of, uh, you know, don't ask for help, figure it out, you know, you have a problem, you go fix it. Um, and now I've seen that topic or genre move towards become less stigmatized by the millennial generation, um, which I think is generally a very positive trend. It's now, uh, I think people take the perspective of uh, not only are things like, uh, you know, going to therapy and uh, mental health and those things are now no longer stigmatized, but actually like have a very positive uh, spin on them from, I think, people, the younger generation. I think that's great as a general trend. Um and to go even more generally, I'm someone who is always trying to work on myself, work on self and improving every aspect of my life as I can. I think everyone should take that approach, trying to sculpt their life towards a better and better improvement. Because uh, if you're not, I think you're probably either going backwards or you're just too full of yourself to think you, you don't need it. Um, but that being said, I think nowadays it's become such a popularized topic that there's almost too much content out there and uh, people like making a living off of being like lifestyle gurus. Um, and I think there's a lot of like, a lot of bullshit and nonsense to, to sift through if you're really looking to, to learn a lot about, you know, what's the best diet or exercise out there, um, you know, and uh, I think you can kind of get caught in the wash if you, if you are really just trying to Google, you know, how do I stay productive or, you know, how do I wake up less tired? There's a million different resources out there for those kind of things, um, which is generally great, but there's almost too much to the point of paralysis. And uh, I think just to give a couple of examples, you, you could look up a specific diet, like intermittent fasting or something like that, that's become popular lately and say, 
you can see a lot of really good resources and, and smart people, athletes endorsing a diet like that saying, you know, this is increased my energy levels, testosterone levels, et cetera, et cetera. But if you look far enough, you're going to find some, some counterpoints. And then you have now, now you're not sure if it's a good diet. And so then you don't start the diet and you never try it in the first place. Or, you know, you can spend three hours on YouTube watching videos on how to be more productive and not waste your time this month. And so, and so they can really, uh, you can shoot yourself in the foot by kind of over-researching your problems and finding too many people out there trying to give you advice. Um, because there's always going to be a counter example. There's always going to be some better system, you know, um, you, if you want to figure out like why your energy levels are low during the day, you'll find someone telling you it's your sleep, it's your caffeine, it's your diet, it's your exercise, uh, you know, it's your mental state, you're not meditating, whatever. Or you're just and... ugly. <laughs> <laughs> and so if there's like 20 different reasons, there's 20 different things you can do to improve a single problem, you might not end up doing any of them. And so I think I find myself sometimes having that problem where I'm, you know, looking to improve a certain aspect of my life, like let's say, you know, sleep or energy or whatever. Um, and you find so many resources out there that you kind of get paralysis by analysis and end up doing uh, nothing. So um, I think that can be a problem that people need to be wary of. Um, I think the other thing people should think about when, when looking for those kind of uh, life advice type of topics is to look to see if the resource you're getting it from, like the YouTuber or whatever, someone who's like making a living off of making those kind of videos. Um, because then you have to ask yourself, like, is this video a bunch of a bunch of nonsense where they're just, you know, you look at their page and it, like, th you know, there's lifestyle gurus, like I said, who literally are making a living off of like giving you advice. And that doesn't mean it's not all good, but you should be careful about what resources you're looking for out there. And I think... Unless you're on social media, learning about social media influencers who are doing well on social media, then you're safe. Jeff, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just going to say, so this podcast is going to be about why you should give us money and not those other people. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let me give you life advice Here's on taking right. life advice. We're going to go meta with it. Everyone's down in the weeds. Given life advice, we're going to give advice about life advice. Yeah, that's what I'm here to do. Today. Whole, whole new derivative market, you know, <laughs> this, this is this is groundbreaking stuff here. All right. Going above their heads here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think so. My, my two main points there, just to summarize, like, I think it's a positive trend that our generations now really painted a positive light towards like working on self-improvement. Uh, I think that's awesome, um, but I think there's so many resources out there that I think a lot of people talk about, talk the talk, but don't end up actually like implementing these things into their lives because there's almost too many solutions and, and too many kind of contradicting evidence for whatever you want to look for out there. Um, I don't know if you See, guys have I, any thoughts on that generally, but... I have yeah, the I opposite thoughts. take. I, th I think that means we're weak and our spawn will surely not survive the winter. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna so, say, uh, Bill Gates wasn't googling how to be more productive. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Um, it's like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, all right. So, advice on on taking advice is 
Yeah, my rule of thumb is <laughs> so it's very meta. strong. Yeah, it's it's the Lindy effect, which is Nicholas uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb has a has a book. Uh, what which one? What's the book? I don't know which one Lindy is. Black Swan? No. I don't know. He has a bunch of books. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the Lindy effect is actually af- named after a person, I believe, but that's not important. The, the important part is the longer something, so, the longer something's been around, the more likely it's worth its salt. The more likely it's going to be around. So you're kind of, and the kind of it's kind of actually takes a mathematical approach, like the expected value of observation of a of a trend of some sort of idea of some sort of uh not organic is like the key it's like obviously like meat in your fridge is gonna spoil (laughs) so it's like don't think of it it's like things that can last the test of time so books ideas habits things without half-lives essentially yeah things that yeah things that kind of can can support themselves just by their efficacy efficacy (laughs) (laughs) efficacy um yeah so the, the odds that you're witnessing them at a stage in, or when you're witnessing them, the odds are it's at half halfway through its life cycle. Okay. So that's just a rule of thumb. It's not, it's not a rule. It's not a hard rule where it's like, Oh, I've, you know, you know, this kind of manufacturing process for plastic is 10 years old. So that means that it's going to be around for 10 more years. No, it's not like <laughs> hard like that. It's not like a hard fact. But it's like so. It's a heuristic. It's a heuristic. Yeah, if I can yeah. sim- if I can simplify what you're saying is, uh, if some idea or or advice has been around for a long time, there's a better chance that it, it has some truth to it. Right. Um, whereas any brand new advice, the chances that it's accurate and helpful are just lower because there's been less time for it to be ruled out or, or right. counterexampled. Yeah, like there's. 10,000 books that were released last month, you know, and probably one of them or it maybe even one of them has something that's going to be worthwhile in a hundred years from now, but there's, a, you know, probably 2000 books that you can read today at your library, probably that were written a hundred years ago. It's like, what's the difference between, well, you know, already that the books that were written a hundred years ago that you can find today that people still read today. It's like, there's a reason people still read them. And you know, and the odds that you find the book that was written last month, that's worth its salt, and it will be written, or will be still read a hundred years from now, it's very low. It's just, a, it's just a numbers game. It doesn't mean you you can't read more recent, not you know, more recent concepts about recent concepts. But if you want to be safe, or if you want to at least use this heuristic, you know, towards things that you see online, things that you read, you say, is this similar to something? that was written a hundred years ago, or is this a completely new concept? Stuff like that. Just using that as a, as a benchmark will allow you to kind of filter out a lot of the trendy kind of attention grabbing, attention seeking stuff. Yeah. I mean, to play devil's advocate though, I agree, right? It seems like self-help has become its own sort of industry. You have like all these, gurus online who basically do nothing but give other people advice and then it's sort of like why why am i taking your advice if all you do is give advice like shouldn't you shouldn't you have some 
thing you've achieved that I want to achieve as well. Um, but beyond that point, to play devil's advocate, um, I don't know. It seems like a lot of what people need is just something that gets them in motion, right? It's Because it, basically, totally. as long as you're making incremental progress, you know, you know, key thing progress, you know, as long as you're not going backwards, if it's incrementally forwards, you're going to get better, right? So as long as you're just improving, that's, that's good. So if there's just what, like, if, if you're looking for that thing, that sort of idea, that philosophy, that piece of information, whatever it might be, I think everyone's sort of different and different people look at sort of what gets them out of bed to essentially make incremental gains towards their goals differently. And so just finding that thing, that little nugget of wisdom that can help you do that, you know, maybe it merits lots of permutations because there's lots more people now today than there ever were before. And so maybe just, you know, if someone phrases it the right way where it's like, okay, I'm going to get out of bed and do something today rather than, you know, just not just calling sick or whatever, then there, I think there's value there just in the fact that it sort of resonates with you, I guess. Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. Um, I just, that reminds me a lot of, um, I just heard it on a, a recent podcast and I should go back and quote who it is because they deserve <laughs> credit for it. But um, that reminds me a lot of, of a point I wanted to bring up that, um, you know, really two things. Number one, like everyone's different and different things are going to work for different people. So one person giving advice online or in a book, it may or may not apply to you and may not may or may not work for you. Um, but the number one thing you should do is just go try it, experiment, be a self-experimenter, try new things, you know, stick to it for a week or two. And if it works for you, great. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. At least you tried and now you know, and you can rule it out. Um, and what I thought was a really interesting uh way this was presented on this podcast is uh, you know maybe this is corny but that the opposite of distraction is not it, when it comes to you know trying to trying to avoid procrastination and stay focused was that the opposite of distraction is not focus but it's just the word traction right so just take the dis off it's just, just traction and just getting back on track. And, and that all stems from the word action. So like step one, if you want to avoid distraction, just go act, right? Just like separate from whatever is distracting you and just take action and go do it. Like whatever, you know, step one is whether or not you want to be doing it, uh, just go do it. And if you want to, you know, try a new diet, try a new exercise, most important thing is to just go try it. And if you like it, great, it'll work, maybe it'll stick. And if you don't, maybe it doesn't, and that's fine too. Um, but step one is to is to just go take action and not not look for reasons not to not to try in the first place. I like that I like the action emphasis on action. I I kinda disagree with I mean, I know you're referencing someone else, so maybe it's mm -hmm. not fair to push back on you, but I disagree with the idea that like, oh, if you try it and you don't like it, then that's fine, go try something else. Because I think like that kind of that kind of mentality is almost like you know you get the you, you get this idea that you can just like if i'm not instantly having fun or 
instantly enjoying something then it's, it's like a lot of things that are worth your time are like going to be terrible at the beginning yeah and in fact i think it's more likely to be you know the more worthwhile something is the more likely you're going to have to forego present satisfaction for future um you know delayed gratification um sure so i think that i i just like tend to think that like if you're listening to someone online and they're making you happy it's like you should not listen to them because you shouldn't be happy <laughs> listening to someone online you should be happy doing something you know getting results so if you listen to someone who actually makes you feel like crap then keep listening <laughs> to that person because they're going to make you do something about it <laughs> you're going to kill all our viewerships we make all our viewers feel terrible so this is a yeah, good idea this is extremely <laughs> this is like this is like inception Listen, I think that's partly true, listening. partly not true. I know you hate listening to us, and it's good. But that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think you have a you have a good point there. Like there's especially with things like diet and exercise that are like uncomfortable, and you have to like yeah. fight your mind's desire not to uh, go the other way. Um, but my my only point was that the key is just like taking action and trying right. it rather than uh, you know staying put and not not trying it because you're looking for a reason not to um i thought a, a another like really interesting point that came up on this podcast and so by the end of this i'll go back i'll quote it so people can go back go listen to it'll it it'll be in the show notes um yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh was that this is just another on that same topic of of distraction and procrastination um was that like distraction is more often is more often than not comes from your an internal source rather than an external source. Um, so there's some obvious things like if there's you know construction going on outside or some gunshots, that's like an obvious external distraction. Um, but when you go away from your work to go look at social media or you know fold laundry because you don't feel like you know doing whatever task you have to do, um, it's actually like an internal the distractions coming from something internal um and what you're actually doing whether you can have identified it or not is you are it's your mind looking to avoid some internal discomfort that is stemming from whatever task you are trying to stay focused on um and there's so and this maybe doesn't apply to every scenario but i found it helpful for me so when I find myself like, actually, it's me seeking out distraction because I don't want to be working on the thing that I'm working on. And oftentimes that's because there's something about it that's making me uncomfortable. And maybe that is because I don't know how to do it. And so it's going to take a lot of mental effort. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's because I don't know what the next step is that I have to take. And so I'm going to have to try to figure it out. Um, but in any case, what I've learned to do now and try have been trying to practice and found useful is that when I start to get distracted, I stop for a second and just realize that emotion that's like happening in my body. That's, that's leading me to seek out distraction. And it is like this kind of weird feeling of, of discomfort. And then I, I think just stopping to identify the source of that emotion is like a huge first step in being like, wait a minute, I don't need to be doing that. Okay, let's get back on the task. Or, or asking yourself why it's making you feel that way. 
um, is really useful in kind of overcoming the desire to seek out distraction. And I've found that personally really useful. Yeah, that like aspect of like mindfulness. I listened to a guy, I forgot who it was also, but he said like study yourself like a bug or study yourself like, as if you were a bug that you're studying. So like if you're studying a bug, you would like give it some water. Oh, he, you know, you give him too much water. He does, he does this, you give him too much food or you give him this, you know, too much light, you know, and you just keep track of everything that he does based on what, what stimulus you've given it. It's like, well, do that for yourself. And it's kind of a weird thing to think about. It's like, but you can, if you think about it that way, it's like a whole different way to look at your day. It's like, oh, today I had to do this progress report and uh, I hate doing progress report. And oh yeah, by the way, it took me four hours to do something that should take me 15 minutes. And I only worked on it for 15 minutes. The other three and a half hours, uh, three hours and 45 minutes were spent, you know, talking with someone and calling this person and doing this stuff. That's not really important. It's just like, make note of that and be like, oh yeah, like I really don't like those progress reports. So next time it comes up, you'd be like, okay, it's, I'm going to be distracted because I don't like to do it. <laughs> you know, make, I don't actually do that, but I think that's a good thing to do. <laughs> See, I take the yeah. opposite approach, right? Uh, so our instincts have been around forever, right? They've helped us survive. So whenever I get an instinct not to do what I'm doing, I'm like, that must be right. You know, it's been around forever. So uh, I should not do what I'm doing and I should well, do. I think you, knowing that you're joking there i actually think there is something to be said uh, about that and i think that is that like we they are you know these biological emotions because like something doesn't doesn't feel good to do sometimes um and i think those those like biological construction of our brain is now like just doesn't apply well to the type of tasks we have to do today right so like we weren't we didn't evolve to have to like type emails to a coworker we don't like in some bullshit. Right. So like mm-hmm. those things we might like intentionally avoid doing or, or because or unintentionally avoid doing because it makes us uncomfortable. Um, but one step but further, feeling... maybe even maybe that says that like the system of emailing people is inefficient. That's actually what Cal Newport says. He's true. like, email is like the single greatest productivity killer. Like the fact that you can just ping yeah, someone at any minute of the day and just be like try to garner their attention it's like yeah. what who thought that like no one actually consciously thought that that was like a way to design the business world and be effective totally. like that was that's just a complete like so i mean maybe it is um yeah to jeff's point it's like maybe our bodies are telling some telling us something when we're completely I'm just so i'm just so out of my element here because like i am terrible at like focusing on things like yeah. sometimes i'm really good at it i get like bursts where i can i can like focus on a single thing for literally like 12 hours straight and like get it done but it's it's like i sort of have to be interested in it like it has to be right. like a problem i want to solve or i'm just not <laughs> i'm just not gonna be good at it yeah. so i don't know i feel no, like i I'm just i have no input here <laughs> I, I think a a point to be made there though is especially when you work for somebody else like most people do the tasks that you procrastinate and avoid are always like the ones you don't feel like doing or the ones that aren't interesting and, but those tasks are still going to like hang over your head and weigh on your shoulders and like in those moments when you really just don't feel like doing it and you're going to like be unproductive instead 
of doing that high priority item you don't feel like doing that is like the moment that i'm trying to be better at stopping and reflecting and saying okay my options are continue procrastinating and let this continue to weigh on my shoulders over the long run or go get it done now as much as i don't feel like doing it and you know avoid the additional pain of having it hang over my shoulders and having it to do it later with with less time yeah i mean i don't know about you guys but whenever i have like deadlines my natural inclination is to wait till the last possible second to do the thing until the stress has accumulated so high that i have no choice but to act or i will literally like go into cardiac arrest from excess stress (laughs) 100 percent, i do the same thing so it's just like that's the it's like that's i don't know whatever reason that's how i like there's always people who say you know when you get the the book report for school or whatever start the day they assign it right and then just do it a little each day and it's like like, i've never done that i've never done that like you maybe you do put together a better book report if you do that mm-hmm. i've never tried <laughs> I, I, know, I just i don't know what it is about me but i i can't operate that way i don't know why same same but just to go back to the uh podcast i've been quoting was from the knowledge project with shane Parrish, episode 104 with nur ayal i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right but go watch it i'll share it with you guys yeah, that's a good one. Um, there's a lot of way smarter people than us that I think give really good uh, just advice about mental models, productivity, things like that. Like, I don't know. There's a whole plethora of one. If you guys are interested, we can maybe build that for you. That people we found. I, I think the one guy, if we're just going to give one person, I would say it has the most impact on me personally was uh, Naval Ravikant. Um, because... I wouldn't say he gives advice about like self-help or anything like that, but he is sort of a guru in some ways where like he just kind of changed my entire philosophy on life almost where it was um, basically I I feel, you know, this is maybe on a tangent, but I feel like um, our school system kind of programs people a certain way and i do eventually want to do a whole podcast about our education system um but i think it programs you where essentially like a whole episode or a whole podcast series of episodes honestly <laughs> both could, could the latter both. the latter you know uh yeah. <laughs> but you know like when i think back to school it, it gets you in this mindset of just essentially do what you're told and you'll be rewarded essentially right it's like they give you homework and you do the homework and you get a grade they're like here's the test here's exactly what will be on it here's exactly what you need to know and you have these very closed problems right they're not it's not at all what it's like to like be a productive person unless you're i don't know maybe some jobs are more like just task oriented like that yeah i was gonna gonna say to be fair in like the modern age that is doesn't make you like a well-rounded and, and useful or interesting person, but you can go function working for a lot of bosses. By, right. You know, like it, it, I'm not saying tests. you can't. All right. Maybe productive is the wrong word because I think you can yeah. be productive if you do that. But uh, 
But you're not going to be creative. Yeah, you're not going to be yeah. you're not going to be solving any open ended problems in this line of thinking. And just my whole life, it was like, okay, I I got to get good grades so that I can get into a good college, and I need to get into a good college so that I can get a good job, and then if I have a good job, I'll be happy. And it's just like that was basically like the whole framework I had been sort of set into and then suddenly I kind of realized partially due to Naval partially just my own experience is that you can just create value yourself and your time can be valuable because you're creating new things that people want and I'm not saying I'm there yet but that's what I'm striving to be is not someone who just says, okay, what do I do next? But like, here's ways I can add value and can be valuable to other people. And then people will want to work with me, want to, I don't know, what have you, but it's, it trade with me, buy my product, whatever it might be. Uh, and, and that's just a whole entirely different path of life, uh, of life where you're being creative and you're doing things you want to do that you deem valuable that can make you successful and independent that has nothing to do with essentially pleasing anyone else, right? Like the whole other path I had outlined was like, I got to do well by my teachers. I got to do well by my college so that they can recommend me. And then my employer has to think of me favorably. And it's just like, it's this whole track of just thinking where it's like I'm doing what someone else wants me to do and it's all about performing according to their metrics and I'm not saying I've achieved the alternative I by no means have not but I'm saying the I even just the idea that there's this alternative out there where you can create for yourself or not for yourself but you can create essentially value in the world that people could want and that could sustain you, just like I don't know, it just blew yeah, my mind. Yeah. I I never it's important considered... to it's important to note that how much more fulfilling of a life that is too. Right. At least I think so. <laughs> I think anyone would think so. You know. Yeah. Just being like an independent creator is just such a different life than from being a cog in the wheel, and I, I think that's like one of the biggest modern problems is just how you know, large and regimented our systems are now that in most places, most companies, most jobs exist as a very, you know, structured cognitive, you know, one gear in the machine type of type of role. And that's, that I think leads to a lot of people's like mental health problems and yeah, and lack of fulfillment. I, let me just add one more thing. Like, I don't think it has to be that way at all. I think we've almost elected to fill that cog role like many of those roles could be done as like independent contractors if like more people were just like i'm going to more so sell my labor as a, a contractor or like in smaller businesses i think a lot of firms could be more flexible and essentially like hire tasks out to different contractors and it, it really never had to be this way of like big firm, this is your task. I, I, I don't think that it has to be this way or it's more efficient or 
I don't think any of that's the case. I think it's just many of us have not really thought about it. And it's just like, okay, I go to school so I can get a job. Where's the jobs? Who's got jobs? Mm-hmm. Here's the job. And like, just <laughs> no one really thinks about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dale, one thing that you said I wanted to respond to is like, you think that everyone, you, th- you just think everyone thinks that way. Like, oh, would like to get off the dependency kind of. And I actually don't know. I think to an extent that's right. Like, I know, and I know what you're saying. Like, obviously, people would prefer more freedom than less, all things equal. But I think the real, more interesting question to ask is when things aren't, oh, you know, not keeping things equal. When there is actually the trade-off between, oh yeah, you have more freedom and you, you know, you get more uh, return, for example, on your time or your your capital, your assets. It's like, but there's a lot more risk that comes along with that. And I think a lot of people, I don't know if it's uh, like the product of our environment is is kind of a theme that we're talking about, but it's like people are just like, don't seem to be willing to sacrifice that comfort and like stability for that that, um, potentially unlimited upside uh, and also unlimited downside. Like that kind of risk return isn't really, you know, it's we we. There's a lot of people. So I, I want to say an example. I w- um, early in my career, I I mean I'm still early in my career probably, but <laughs> uh, like this is literally a couple of months into working. Uh, I had a colleague, you know, senior level project manager, and I'm driving with him, and you know, a nice car go, co- goes by that's that like particularly caught my eye. I think it was like a Corvette or something. I was like, oh, nice car love to own one of those someday and this guy's you know well on his way in his career he looks at me he's just like better pick a different job than like the job that i'm working with him because like essentially what he's saying to me it's like yeah you're not going to be making that kind of money in this line of work and i'm just like okay that might very well be the case but it's like you're like 15 years ahead of me in this experience and you think that it's like it's like don't you like to me it's like at some point right you're gonna like shift gears and you're gonna like try to own part of what you're doing and you know start to leverage your leverage your time leverage your assets in a way that you can actually get some free cash flow and you can start spending on some cool things and it's just like to me that was just a given at the time and obviously i'm still young and in the story i was even younger so it's kind of oh you're you're just a young you know bright-eyed bushy-tailed you don't know the real world. You haven't gotten your dose of reality yet, but it's just like, to me, I was just like, you still got to like, think that you're opening, you're open to that. It's like, yeah, I'm in my line of work, right. but I can get promoted and I can get the, you know, but he was just resigned. He was just, yeah, it's like, well, we make our salary and we do what we do. And we, t- we punch in. And I love this guy. I mean, I hope, I mean, if he's listening, he might not even remember <laughs> saying that it might've just been an offhand comment, but um, you know, it just was like a shocker to me. I'm just like, yeah, I am in this line, but I'm not resigned to just never. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like so depressing and lame. But like, I mean, I to like right off the bat, like my reaction to that is so negative. I'm like, man, every everyone should be like aspiring to like, right? You know, have the financial freedom to do whatever the hell they want. Like, how are you ever gonna say like, ah, nah, that like having a Corvette's too lofty of a goal? Like, hell no. Like, it yeah. seems should be super within reach. But um, 
to your point, I, I do think not everyone needs like to find fulfillment in their job. Like a lot of people can, it's easy to imagine a, a parent with children who who values security and a low risk job with a healthy pay uh, in the form of a salary over, you know, being an entrepreneur and taking it on their own risks because they get their f- fulfillment out of, you know, their kids and their family and their home life and whatever, like outside of work activities they have. And the work just kind of pays the bills to allow them to have that lifestyle. And that's a fulfilling life. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, and that can be a good and happy life. So there are alternatives, but, um, that's not for me. Yeah. I I completely agree with that because I mean, just take any sort of professional skill, like a dentist, for example, right. You know, this is like a type of job where you can just be self-employed, right? Like you could have a one room, uh, building or whatever in like an office complex and you just see, uh, patients and you're completely like self-employed and just whatever, you know, you bring in is what you get paid. Uh, and you may not even have anyone under you. So it's not even really like a business. Like you're just, you just own your labor essentially. Right. Um, not everyone wants to do that. Right. Like some people would rather work for, you know, the dentist firm, have a consistent salary and not worry about it. A lot of people would much rather have, like you said, low risk, then even like i wouldn't even call like self-employed being an entrepreneur because you're not really starting a business it's like you're just self-employed right like not even everyone wants to be self-employed even if that was theoretically the efficient way to do things um some people are just happy to trade risk for reward you know they would rather just hand the risk over to you and get paid less um and so for that reason, you know, I think it's perfectly fine if you want to do that. Like, you know, it's just, it, it's up to the individual. But my issue was, I like risk. I just never knew, I never conceived of that as being realistic. Like, I thought of, mm-hmm. like, startups as, like a, like, a pipe dream that, like, people were only kidding themselves, uh, you know. And, and you don't even have to have a startup. You can, like, you can add to a business in, like you know, an incremental way that isn't just doing what you're told, right? Like you can actually expand the revenue streams of a business on your own and then like get a piece of that yourself by, you know, getting a big raise that's from that new incremental revenue stream, you know? And so like there's now like a raise available to you that wouldn't have existed without you being there. So it's not super risk heavy, but just the idea of being able to add value in your own way, just, I don't know. I like growing up, I had never really conceived of it. And then, so I just feel like we don't do a good enough a job. I I think of just conveying to people at a young age, I guess what it, what it means to be, I don't know, just a productive member of society. It can be many different things, I guess. Right. So I want to, I, I, I do want to clarify. So when I'm like, when you guys are kind of bifurcating, like, oh, some people are going to seek entrepreneurship and some people are going to trade time for salary, you know, and that's, and those people are, you know, have 
fulfillment in other ways. It's like, I don't, the, I don't think you can draw the line because I think it's a mirage is what I'm trying to say. I think like people that, that like to, to sacrifice freedom for comfort, it's like our workplace, I guess in the last whatever, 50, maybe even a hundred years, our workplace environments, mod, the modern workplace environment kind of makes it seem like you can make that trade. And like the people that receive the salaried position, the comfortable position, it's like, Oh, I'm owed this. Like all I have to do is X, Y, Z. And they told me if I do that to this, you know, a uh, satisfactory level, then I'm owed my salary. And it's like, you've just traded the risk and it still exists. Like it's not, you're not owed anything. Right. So it's just like, I think that, this idea that you can like you, you can live your life and you, you can just like kind of autopilot some of it. And, and you know, it's like, I don't, I, don't th I just don't think it's real. Like it's almost like fake to me. Like it's like, you got to saying there's, there's, e there's even risk in, in the regular nine to five. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's you've essentially suppressed. squashed, you've squashed the risk into the event of getting fired essentially or that your the risk is still there yeah the risk of like your sector completely gets i don't know right well laid off essentially you've squashed the risk into a more unlikely event but it's it, yeah it's so no bad. actually you make a really good point because it, it's you know you're not seeing the ups and downs of the revenue stream but if that revenue stream drops low enough, you're you're getting laid off, you know. Right. So yeah. you, it's you not like downside. you're still getting all the downside. You're yeah. just missing out on the upside. So I mean, you make a good point there. Yeah, it's like someone who's like right. like trading actively trading options. Like, oh, I'm just trying to make it, and then someone else is like, oh no, I only sell out of the money options. It's like I'm mm -hmm. oh I'm safe. I'm selling out of the money options. I don't. I right. just I just get my steady income. It's like yeah, you do until. <laughs> right. That day that those out of the money options come do you know go in the money and then it's like everything <laughs> you've gotten everything all the right. premiums you've collected you you're now you owe <laughs> and so it's like true but you're not gonna lose money from getting fired you're just not gonna make money <laughs> if you've invested so enough true. of your capital or like if you've pigeonholed yourself in a way. Then True. If you don't, if you have to like retrain yourself or something, yeah. Then I can see that. Yeah, and I think the other point is that like you are passing the risk on to the other decision makers. So like your employer can make poor business decisions that make your job go away, as opposed to the kind of self-employed right. entrepreneur is is making those decisions themselves. Um, and deciding what risks to take. Yeah, I mean, I've always sort of gravitated towards having res more responsibility. Like, it's not even like money for me. Like, that's not, I don't like seek out higher pay or like bigger monetary reward. It's like, I just want to be holding the wheel. And I've always sort of felt that way. Like, I've never really liked team sports as much as I liked um, like wrestling growing up because i i just wanted to have mm -hmm. essentially control of the ship um yeah. Win or lose, yeah yeah and i just always sort of felt that way and even like the people that we're referring to in this conversation were oh, like all oh, those entrepreneurs who are actually act self-actualizing into like this mogul and it's like even them they're like 
it's like, oh, you've accrued all this capital. What do you what do you do with it? And it's like, oh, I uh, have a money manager who invests in uh, mutual <laughs> funds, and it gives me, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I get, you know, it gets me one percent alpha each year, and uh, <laughs> that's my expectation of him. And it's just like, so, and so it's like, you you started like you're like you've you've accrued all this capital, and then you just handed it off, and then just, you know. It's like it's like even those people who are holding the wheel, as you said, Jeff, aren't even holding the wheel in terms of like what, you know, that what they're actually, you know, the way they're, what they're invested in. No, I know. Well, yeah, it's not those everyone, people but are it's probably, just the concept of those people are probably more likely to be making the decisions for their capital allocations than your average person. Certainly, but I just think that my my what i'm trying to convey is like these these trade-offs and these decisions we're making like oh I, i'd rather have some security in this area or in this area and and in that way so it's like i think that's all a mirage like we this this conversation of like how do you self-actualize how do you self-help it's like it's like it's gonna be hard and you you gotta learn things you gotta you know you can't just assume mm-hmm. someone else has your back you gotta you don't have to be paranoid well, in the way that makes it sound but it's like you gotta you gotta step up to the plate you're always at risk yeah like if you if you strip it down to it's like the the base level like the least number of variables right like get away from our extremely complex society right it's like let's say you're just on a like an island you know you you eat what you kill what you gather essentially so it's what you get to eat is completely dependent on you and let's say there's like a couple more people there. They're not going to just let you eat more than you input. You know, eventually right. they're going to be like, this guy's not providing enough. And you're going to have to do something to make what you're getting out equivalent to what you're putting in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, in modern society, like there's this concept of like leverage where it's like, you can get insane returns on what seems like not a lot of input, but it's just because you're providing something to many, many, many people. But ignoring that, like just if you think about it, it's ultimately there's no way to get around the fact that you can't get more out than what you're putting in unless right. you're cheating someone. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean by a mirage. <laughs> like we have so many people out there when I, you know, by my analysis, it's like, there's so many people getting out all this comfort and risk-free, you know, all these risk-free promises. And it's just like, wait, at the end of the day, who's, who's really like the one making, you know, obviously there are people, I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but it's just like, to me, it's, I think there's more of what you're referring to Jeff as like the taking more than they give in terms of, and that's, that's oversimplified. Like I'm not saying, I'm not saying that people are greedy or whatever. I I'm just trying to say like it's a, it's again I'll say it, it's a mirage. Like people think that their lives are a certain way and they're owed something. It's like and they that what they're providing. It's like well, just take a second. How much of what you're providing are you actually responsible for and are actually like on the hook for or you know and and feel that risk? It's like do you understand all the risks and do you understand like there may be more than you're actually thinking about. Right. Like one way I've always kind of thought about it is like when it comes to people getting canceled and stuff like that, 
um, it always seems like it's people who are in some ways superfluous. You know, like it's so much harder to cancel the guy that keeps your lights on, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Cause, cause it's like, I'm not going to cancel the guy that makes sure my home is heated and my lights are on, you know? Yeah. And so like part of that is related to is, is what is the value I'm providing? And if it's tremendous, then people are going to come to you no matter what. And so like, if you are like sort of superfluous to people, like they can live without you, then yeah, like you're just, you shouldn't count on that salary. Cause they could just be like, uh, do we really need right. this position? But if they really do need you, that job's <laughs> not going anywhere. Right. You know, that's dude, that's, a, that's such a good point. That's, it's like to your analogy like of the island it's like it's like oh this guy's wearing socks and sandals man can you believe it it's like dude shut up shut up he's getting all the firewood for this whole island don't say anything and then it's like it's like you walk in with socks and sandals one day and everyone's just like get the heck out of here we don't want you it's like, <laughs> right it's like, get that unfashionable crap out of here we don't need you anymore we're yeah. good on our own like all you do is make like sand castles. They're like, get that low fashion. That's the suit. last straw. Yeah. <laughs> you can make the sand castles, but we're co- not gonna look at those your socks and your <laughs> socks and sandals. At what cost will you accept socks and sandals in your society? <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate question. Yeah. So I mean, and that's pre- anyway. That perfectly wraps up my point because. That's like what I'm trying to say. Like, if you show up one day and you just do something completely ancillary to like what you're supposed to be doing, but it's like, oh, that was what stirred the water and that was what made people upset with me and I got fired over that or something. It's just like, you know, or I could be, I could get fired if I, it's more of like a thought experiment to do it with yourself. It's like, if I just, if I don't send my boss an email exactly the way he likes the formatting and then that, and then I might get fired for that. It's just like, is that really important to what you're doing? Like that's mm-hmm. pretty much as, as, uh, as arbitrary as like what, what footwear you wear to your set, your <laughs> sandcastle building job. So that's like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I feel like we got a little off topic there at some point. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it's still it's somewhat related. Somewhat related. <laughs> no, I liked it. I mean, I did have one thing to say on kind of your initial, Dale, the initial um, topic was like people tend to um, kind of carry forward their success. So like you'll see like, especially with like social media, you know, where there's like a tendency to, to like post like, oh, hey guys, today I'm taking my first step of a thousand step journey. You know, it's like I'm. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose the weight this time. And then, but I'm posting the before picture. So here I go on my journey. And it's like, um, it's like, actually, that's not a good thing to do. I'm not calling anyone out for doing this. Like everyone just feel free to do whatever you want. But like, there's actually like a mentality of if I'm posting the before pick and telling everyone I'm on the journey, there's actually like a part of your brain that's like, good for me i'm doing it you know i'm really doing it i've actually i wanted to do this for so long and i'm actually starting to do it yeah. you know and it's like posting the before pick is kind of like you're almost succeeding in your own brain um 
and and it gives you the social pressure to stick to it. Well, there's that. No, so that, I think John's saying the opposite. Yeah, the opposite. Right? So well, I think so yeah, if right, you're posting that with the sole purpose of like, hey, everybody, call me out if I don't do, it. you know, if if that's the culture, then it's like, okay, then that actually might work because that's very powerful of a of, that's very powerful to have social pressure to do something like once it if you if you say to people it's okay to call me out if i don't finish yeah. this because i'm uh, i'm steadfast in this goal and then people actually do that it's like you're much more likely to succeed but the idea like yep. oh i'm on my journey here i go and then people say like good for you you know congratulations this is such a good yes queen yeah it's like yeah. it's like no <laughs> it's reminds me of, like I find I like I'll like randomly come across like a lot of Instagram fitness models that are just like in okay shape. Yes, <laughs> like randomly super like average. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 like, but like no, seriously, you'll see people that you're like, okay, you look like you're in like pretty like normal looking healthy body, but you're not like, you know, you don't look like you're a CrossFit champion. Like, why are you? why is this like your lifestyle you got to hold them to their goals <laughs> call them out <laughs> yeah really no but it's just like um so that and that's kind of goes to what i was i did say this but it goes it goes towards that concept of like if you're listening to someone who's making you happy then you should actually stop listening to them because unless you're actually if you're super accomplished yeah. then it's like okay listen to make listen to people that make you happy but if you if you like at night you think about th- all the things you want to do in your life which i hope most of the people that are listening to this do because there's so much things to do there you know it's like you can do whatever you want and if if at night you want to do things and you're not you haven't accomplished those yet you should do what makes you accomplish those which is not feel happy today you should feel sad today right until you accomplish those things yeah naval said that uh desire is a contract you make with yourself to be unhappy until you get what it is that you want yeah um yeah, and i think I that's like that i think that's brilliant um yeah because it it makes you really think about it's not to say don't desire anything that's not the point of that quote the point of that quote is be selective with what you desire right because mm-hmm. being unhappy is a powerful motivator like john's saying so you should make sure what you're desiring is worth it right because you're gonna yep. make yourself miserable trying to get it so it sh- it better be worth it, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. I think I'm gonna hop off. No, that's that's a good place to end. Yeah. Well all said, right. Jeff. Well said, Naval. So, uh, give us money. We're coming out with a self help book. Um, <laughs> this is gonna first say step. you're you're doing too much. Start doing less, and then you're gonna feel real good because you're not doing anything. Yeah. And then you just keep that subscription up to do less. And you'll be happy. Yeah. So just take that first step and buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Just give us your money. All right. Thanks, everyone. Everybody.